0: Hey, my name is Melinda Russell, and I am obsessed with telling the stories of women involved in motorsport, young and older, from all walks of life, currently involved in a wide range of roles, or sharing their stories from the past. I'm a wife, mother of four adult children, and a mamma of 16. In 2017, I was searching social media for a group dedicated to women in motorsports, When I didn't find what I was looking for, I posted a message to a few racing pages to see if any women would like to connect with me. And now I have thousands of women and men who are part of the Women's Motorsports Network. As crew chief of the only media company dedicated to women in motorsports, I work from wherever my travels take me, publishing this podcast, the Women's Motorsports Network News Online Magazine. And Let's Talk Racing Live, my social media show. You will hear from women who share their stories from the grid of life, how they manage the messy and memorable moments of family, work, and racing. You will hear their tried and true secrets of success and many other topics like friendships, family, hardships, and heroes that women deal with to balance the seasons of life. So grab your favorite beverage, pull up a seat. Make sure you are comfy and get ready to be inspired and encouraged from the stories on the Women's Mother Sports Network Podcast. Therathena Safety Apparel protects women better. They offer superior, leading-edge protective apparel for women who refuse to settle for what has been and accept the status quo. Their goal is to provide the customers with relevant products and the assurance that the total body protection system provides extra time to escape the dangers of on-the-job hazards. Serafina Safety Apparel offers premium next-generation flame-resistant apparel that is disrupting what has been and revolutionizing what's next for women working in industrial, military, fire service, motorsports, and more. To learn more, give Kelly a call at one 800 946 897 That's Serafina Safety Apparel at 800-946-0897. Hello everyone, this is Melinda Russell with the Women's Motorsports Network podcast and we are going to talk to a couple of very interesting young people today and they're going to tell us a little bit about themselves and so we're going to learn more about what they're doing how they got involved in motorsports and so we're going to start with you Preston tell us your name where you live your family your pets whatever you want to share
1: well I'm Preston Lewis I'm the executive director and founder of the Off-Road Motorsports Youth Foundation I've uh, pretty much grown up in motorsports my whole life. My grandpa raced, uh, my dad's raced, uncles on both sides of the family. So I've always been somewhat into racing, you know, from the very beginning. Uh, grew up in my dad's automotive repair shop. You know, we've it—it it was the place I came every day after school. Um, it's really where I grew up completely. So. All my friends were formed through there. Uh, you know, we uh, do a lot of fun stuff. So that's how I kind of got into the automotive industry. And then that developed into the racing industry. And, uh, and yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Sounds like a normal story that I hear quite often, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, Where I think I... that's how a lot of them probably start out is uh, growing up around it.
0: And who's that
2: lovely young lady sitting next to you? Uh, my name is Taryn Hamilton. Uh, I'm 23. Um, I kind of got into the same thing with the motorsports. So I just kind of grew up around it. Um, I used to race a little bit of fourlers and dirt bikes myself back when I was a little younger. And um, switching to the truck side of it, that's a whole it's a whole different animal. But it's definitely going to be a once in a lifetime experience, and it's it's going to be great.
0: Yeah, it is. I love I love the trucks, honestly when I see trucks race. So I'm excited for you to do that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yes. So, um, Preston, tell me what the, I have to make sure I get it right. Off-road motorsports youth foundation. Mm-hmm. Tell me, um, what is that and how did that get started? And, and let's talk about that because that's really why we're here tonight is mm-hmm. to get the word out about what you're doing.
1: Yep. So, uh, oif that's what we call it for short. You know, it kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit easier. But uh, I started that in 2019 officially. Make a Wish helped me form that. So in 2016, I was diagnosed with leukemia. I was getting ready to turn 16, but I hadn't quite yet. Um, And prior to that, I had always raced motocross. That's what I had done. That's what I was used to. That's where I, you know, planned to continue my racing career was just. Continuing to motocross. Unfortunately, my diagnosis pretty much completely put that on hold to the point that there you was know, there wasn't anything else I could do except you know take care of myself. And they said that you know my body would never recover from all the treatments enough to where I could continue racing motocross. That's when I started getting involved into you know more the desert racing scene. You know trophy trucks, uh, class ten, those type of things. From there, you know, I just kept you know staying involved in it, wanting to learn more. I enrolled in an engineering program through my local high school. It was like a vocational program. I attended that while I was still on treatment. So instead of you know taking time away from school just to focus on you know myself, I tried to stay in school and push myself to do more. So I took you know advanced physics classes, calculus, all that kind of junk, <laughs> planning to go to college. That's that's what I had planned to do. I was going to go to college. I was going to do all that and try to, you know, build my own racing career with hopes to eventually be able to give back and get kids involved with it. You know, that's how I originally planned to do all this. But after, you know, considering it longer, and getting more and more involved, it seemed like it was a better idea just to go for the gold in the beginning and, you know, go for the ultimate dream up front instead of, you know, it's taking 20 years to build to it. So that's when we really started pushing to form OMYF. And that's where Make-A-Wish stepped up to help me. So I was on treatment for just over three and a half years. I spent 360 days in the hospital. Um, in the process of my treatments, my mother was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer called glioblastoma, which is a really rare and odd form of brain cancer. It's mainly only seen in elderly men. For women, it's extraordinarily rare. So that, you know, changed me from just being a patient to also a care provider, along with trying to still be involved in motorsports and racing and all that. She passed away in uh, October of 2019 and OMYF was kicked off in December. So that being said, while I was taking care of her, I, you know, had already graduated high school but I dropped out of college to take care of her. And then I kind of realized that I could put all my time into forming the foundation and, you know, really achieving my dreams then and help other people achieve their dreams. So the whole purpose of OMYF is to get young kids that are dedicated and motivated and driven an opportunity to, you know, kind of display their skills and educate themselves in whatever direction they choose to follow within racing. So within racing, you have, you know, anything from social media, marketing, you have, you know, the mechanical side, you have welding and fabrication, you have driving, you have health and safety. There's so many aspects of racing that people don't always consider as a racing career. So that's what we're here to do is to educate the younger generation that you can still be a gearhead and do other things with your life and tie those together. And the things you learn racing apply to pretty much everything out there, you know, financial responsibilities and budgeting. You know, if you're going to go racing, you have to know how much you're going to spend on fuel. You have to know how much you're going to spend on tires. And I just spent today, you know, working the budget for this year's Baja 1000. And uh, it's not going to be cheap. And we are, I think, 18 days away. So, yeah, that is uh, that is kind of what I do and you know we network and connect with the next generation of racers we are a fully formed 501c3 so it's a fully nonprofit organization so when we work with sponsors and connect to them it gives them an extra level of benefits not only are they represented as a sponsor but they can you know benefit you know tax deductions and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so that they get more bang for their buck essentially along with the kids that we have involved in our foundation Our potential, you know, people that are going to either a purchase their products for years to come because they're addicted to racing or they're going to need a job from them to pay for their addiction with racing. Yeah. Either way, you know, they are giving back to the, you know, the community and helping grow the racing organization and keep racing alive. Because I think as you'll see over the past 15 to 20 years, the age of racers, at least in off-road racing, I'm going to say is getting higher. And there's less and less young people coming in. And if there's no one to pass it on to, what are we doing? You know, there's, there's no benefits of it. So we, you know, another level to our organization is we get mentors to come in and help educate the kids, you know, what it took them 40 years to learn. Let's cut out all the guesswork and just try to, I'm not going to say hand them the knowledge, but give them the right path to go down to get there quicker. So one of our mentors is a, is Kurt leduc which most people in the off-road world know he is a 2015 hall of fame entry to the off-road motorsports uh, hall of fame he's had i think 10 baja 1000 wins within his classes uh, very very good at what he does but he's even better at sharing his knowledge with young people and you know showing them why he does the things that he does and explains to them that you don't have to have you know the latest and greatest equipment to do everything sure it's nice but that's not realistic unless you're running on a you know six million dollar budget each year and people just don't have that so so that's you know he helps guide them down that path to where they can be successful within a reasonable aspect you know and help drive their career forwards
0: so you know Preston I met you at PRI a few years ago and and we, we've tried to we we've connected a couple times but as everybody knows you're busy i'm busy and sometimes we let each other fall through the cracks if you will mm-hmm. and we recently yeah. reconnected but one thing i do remember about you when i met you was your passion for what you're doing
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it just showed i mean even in your voice if somebody's only listening and can't see your face mm-hmm. um it shows that you are so passionate about this and to go through what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. And it looks like you're doing pretty well right now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have to, you know, have checkups, take any other treatments or are you pretty much mm-hmm. come over that hurdle?
1: For the most part, all that's passed. They say I have to go back yearly for your know, checkup and follow up treat, not treatments, but just blood work. I try to go back every six months. I've kind of pushed them to let me come back more, just because I travel a lot. I do a lot. I'm always on the road or going somewhere or doing something. Um, I do have some long term side effects of it. Uh, within leukemia treatment, especially through you know childhood uh, treatments, they use a lot of high dose steroids, and that has left me with uh, necrosis in my legs. So basically, that's internal bone death from the inside out. So I really try to stay on top of those types of things. You know, I try not to abuse my body, but as anybody knows, when you're working in the shop, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard manual labor and, you know, there's a lot of hours to put in. So I try to stay on top of everything so that I don't have any negative effects coming towards me. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I was cleared from treatment July of 2019. That's when they said everything was officially done. But between my diagnosis date and then, I took chemotherapy every single day, whether it was through an IV or in a pill. That was daily. No questions asked. You had to do it every day. Um, Some days it would go up to, you know, 28 pills, and you had to take them all at once. You couldn't, you know, take five, five, and five. It was all at once. So there's definitely a lot of hurdles to it. Um, But... But it, you know, shows you that whatever you want to do, you can get through, and there's no reason that you can't, you know. Yeah. Just there's somebody else out there that's had a worse day than you, no matter what. I guarantee like I don't care how bad your case is, somebody else has had something worse. Yeah. So just, you know, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, you know, take a break if you have to, but go back and keep trying. Because mm-hmm. the difference is between a winner and a loser is a loser tried 49 times, but the winner tried 50. Yeah. You just got to try it again. You're, you're, you're right. going to succeed at some point. And that's what, you know, the foundation teaches kids is just keep pushing and you will succeed. Eventually we're trying to give them the golden ticket to life so that they can be the most successful they could ever be. And some kids aren't cut out to go to college. So no. come out, get your hands dirty, grab a wrench, grab a welder, you know, come out. Yeah. We have kids that just make social media videos. They're gearheads and they're really good at marketing uh-huh. And they do a fantastic job, you know. That's typically you wouldn't combine those two things, but it works well. Right.
0: And yeah. I love what you said about there's so many things that you can do and still be involved in motorsports. That's one of the things that I try to share through my magazine, through my podcast, is interview women who have all kinds of occupations and are involved in motorsports because. There's so many things behind the scenes that people don't think of, and so mm-hmm. in a, in that respect, we're kind of alike there, Preston. We're trying mm-hmm. to let kids know that if they don't want to be the driver, maybe they mm-hmm. want to do social media. Maybe they want to be the mechanic or whatever it is. And so I yeah. like that that you're sharing that with kids. And the more hats that you are able to wear, the more valuable you are to
1: the team. You know, mm-hmm. if you can do six things instead of just one, you've automatically made yourself a more valued asset, you know. And as economies and as, you know, the way organizations are ran, you're flexible to go down different paths, you know, and fill their need and make yourself, you know, stay longer. Um, I've had one gentleman when I was trying to decide which college I was going to go to, told me that motorsports was the worst career he could ever tell somebody to get into. And this man was teaching a motorsports degree. Now, tell me how that makes sense.
2: <laughs> it makes like, no that,
0: sense. He shouldn't exactly. have practiced on
1: yeah. that. Well, he's, uh, he was not a valuable asset to a team and was let go. Yeah. And then, you know, decided to do that. I was like, that means you should have tried harder or, you know, been yeah. more well-rounded as an individual instead of having one specific occupation mm-hmm. you can do have five, six, 10, 12, as many things as you can do right. and they can't get rid of you. You know, right? But you'll always have a job. You'll always have someplace to go. Yeah. The more knowledge you have, the better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Lauren, what is your, what, what do you do to help with OMYF and, and kind of tell us your story like Preston did?
2: um i help with omyf in all kinds of I different said ways Warren, i'm um, sorry
0: it's taryn sorry taryn
2: <laughs> okay um i help a little bit in all kinds of different ways um i go out and i weld fabricate um whether that be we built a pretty hefty transmission cage not too long ago and preston kind of put that one all on me and did a some tube notching and some tube bending and a lot of welding and um I mean, I rebuilt all of the king shocks on the entire truck, so took all those apart, uh, refreshed all those, put new oil, all new seals, um, recharged with nitrogen, everything. I'm kind of well everywhere on the truck. I can kind of do a little bit of it all. So she's one of
0: those people that you can't get rid of, Preston, because she's valuable, yeah. invaluable. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. For yeah, sure. but she's
1: actually going to be. She's going to be one of the drivers for this year's Baja One
0: Thousand. Yeah. Okay. There will be a driver. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. That's coming up, and what is that? Who sponsors it? Where
2: is it? All the details. Um, so the Baja One Thousand, we uh, we will be taking off in La Paz, and we will go thirteen hundred and ten miles all the way to Ensenada, and it's one of the roughest terrain courses that there is in the world out there. Um, I think there's four different mountaintops, um, two yeah. or three beach scenes. Um, you'll get to experience pretty well all the different seasons with all the temperature changes and everything and stuff like that. Um, it's I think there's 296 entries now. Wow. So there's going to be a lot of different teams there. And it, it's it's going to be really awesome. It's going to be truly amazing.
1: Yeah,
0: I think so today tell they me released. Again
2: where, tell me again, where does it start? It starts in
0: La Paz. Okay. Okay.
2: Yep. And
0: so, so if you've got 296 teams, what constitutes a team?
1: So the team is going to be a vehicle.
0: Yeah. So there's
1: basically. 296 vehicles racing in this race. Yeah. Eighteen hundred people will be down there for the race. That's just participants, not spectators or anything like that. I think there's 13 countries and 35 U.S. states being represented this year down there. Wow! It is the it is the world's longest point to point nonstop race, and then add into that that it's off road.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It is, you know.
2: So it's the hardest endurance race too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it so is.
2: do do they give you a certain, like they
0: give you a map or a certain, you know, we are going to start here today and we're going to go to this point. And then do you stop or is it 24 hours?
1: It is straight through day and night. Um, Right now, based on our math, it's going to take us right at 43 to 45 hours to finish the race. Uh, We have a 50 hour time limit. So that puts us averaging, you know, 30 to 33 mile an hour which doesn't sound fast, but that's taking in time to change tires, fix stuff, refuel, change drivers, all of that. Plus there's extremely technical rock sections that slow us down. So those sections might be five to 10 mile an hour. And then you might get on a open lake bed and run, you know, 90 because we're running a heavy metal truck. So it's.
0: So how many drivers are there on a team? You can
1: have up to four. We will be running three okay yeah and so, so
0: taryn's a driver who else is going to be driving
1: i will be driving and my brother will be driving as well so he okay. is 19 20 20 you're right yeah he does have a birthday
2: so okay. he's 20
1: and then he will he will be driving uh, we've got a navigator that's 17 that's going to be in the truck as well um i'll have a navigator with me he's 22 i believe so it's a, okay. a whole team of young people. Uh, I think, I think my dad's going to come down and get in the truck too. So it'll be a total of six people that cycle through the truck, three drivers and three co-drivers. Okay. Mm-hmm. All so right. We, we've been spending the past couple of days kind of planning out our fuel stops, planning out our driver changes, who's going to drive where for the most success. That way we can, uh, maximize each other's potential you know Mm -hmm. what are you good at where do you you know shine through the best and your navigator and driver can swap so
0: okay if
1: if a nap if you know so let's say taryn is better at the open straight sections through the whoops keeping the truck square over the whoops but let's say sheldon's in there with them with her and he's better at the rocks if they run 150 miles through the whoops and they start getting to rocks, they can switch and he can get in for the rock section. Okay. So you can, there's a lot of flexibility with that. That way you can really capitalize on each other's, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: Now, have you done this before?
2: I have not. This is definitely, this is a new experience for me. Um, I, I think it's going to be really cool, really fun. Um, hopefully, hopefully, Everything goes all as well. Uh, we've spent a lot of time, a lot of hours on the truck, getting it ready. And um, hopefully it's a good, clean, safe race.
0: Yeah.
1: And Preston,
2: yeah. how about you?
1: I think it's going to go well. I have competed in shorter desert, desert races before, you know, 200, 250-mile races, but nothing, you know, 1300 okay. miles. Um, okay. So that being said – you can you can have raced in thirty Baja one thousands and every one of them is totally different. You know sure. nothing's in the same spot twice. No, it always is ever changing. This is the first year they've ran it from La Paz to Ensenada. So it's new for every single team down there. Okay. everything is different. A hurricane actually just hit La Paz two days ago. Wow. So
2: So you're trying to reroute the beginning a little bit on some of the areas that got damaged. Okay.
1: I was reading course notes last night and the first 25 or 30 miles, we've got a waterfall that we're going to be in for a mile. So that means we have to drop into a stream, follow it, come back up out of the water. And then there's about two and a half to three foot stair steps we have to climb up. And that's in the first 25 miles.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, they're going to just initiate you right off the bat and get you get you. in. <laughs> I think it's going to yeah. be a rough
1: start. I think the middle is going to smooth it out a little bit. And okay. then once we hit San Felipe, it's going to get tough and technical. That last 300 miles yeah. is going to be brutal. It, that's what's going to really separate the teams is that 300-mile push at the end. Everybody's going to be tired, worn out. Yeah. Equipment's going to be abused. Yeah, Everybody's going to have trail repairs that are, you know – less than ideal at that point and it's just going to be a a matter of survival you know that that's what this whole race is is just endurance and survival who can be the most calm cool and collected and do the best job without overdriving it and abusing the truck
0: yeah so do they i'm assuming they have like vehicles that follow along somewhere in case somebody Mm -hmm. needs help or gets sick or whatever and then that that's question and then the second part of that is when do you sleep
1: um you want to answer this you want me to think <laughs> about this one, so
2: we have three different chase vehicles they're called and they will be staged up course waiting for us to get there and um the, some of them will be carrying the other set of drivers that will be hopping in next And so when they switch out and the other drivers come out of the truck, you kind of hop in the chase truck and you shoot further up course ahead of the next truck waiting. And while you're in the truck, that's when you've got some time to catch some, some sleep. You're trying to eat, you're trying to get yourself rehydrated. You're just trying to take really good care of yourself, trying to, to give your mind a fresh reset for your next leg in the vehicle.
1: Okay. Yeah. we're, We're trying to shoot for each driver navigator pair to be in the truck for no longer than five to six hours at a time you know that's you know pretty much where you're going to be pretty exhausted beat to the desert so get out get some sleep refresh recharge um get to your next location and as long as everything is planned out correctly we should have a couple hours of downtime at the next location waiting on the truck so that you can actually like get some good sleep and the chase truck driver can get some sleep you know And part of that is, is you have to be ready for them to pull in and have stuff broken. So you have to have some tools and equipment out and ready, have lights set up. They pull up, you help get those drivers out. You guys get in, check the truck over, take off. The chase truck gets repacked. Everybody climbs in and takes off, goes out, gets back on the highway and proceeds
0: on. Okay. Uh,
1: So there's a lot of moving parts. It's like a chaotic dance up the peninsula. Everybody's trying to pass each other. To keep it all just going perfectly.
0: And so um, if there's close to 300 vehicles, Mm -hmm. I mean, like, are you like there's a there's a truck right in front of you and one behind you? Are you like all really close together or I mean, I realize some are going to go faster than others, but Mm -hmm. overall, are, are you mostly able to see other trucks or do you feel more like you're kind of out there alone?
2: I mean, honestly, I would just say it kind of depends when you take off from the starting line, you take off in, I think, two minute intervals. So like you'll take off and then two minutes behind you is somebody else coming. And, you know, I mean, if they want to completely bash their truck, I mean, they're going to do anything and everything they can to pass you. Um, I mean, it just really depends. There could be a bunch of people all jumbled up in one spot, and then you could not see somebody for 100 miles. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, it it depends on the section of the race. It depends on your truck. It depends on how hard you're pushing and if you're staying on your, you know, intended pace. You know, if you stay on pace, in theory, you should always kind of be around some vehicles. Okay. If you get off pace, you might get into a section where you're just kind of out there alone feeling for a while. But it's the middle of the desert, so even if you're a mile away from somebody, you feel like you're alone. You oh, know, yeah. there's nothing you're not going to see headlights. You really may not be that far away, but yeah. you sure feel like it. Yeah. So, it's you,
0: so do, do you like have to plan and take all your food and coolers or, um, and your gas and yeah. extra clothes and all that has to be figured out? And then the mm-hmm.
2: chase vehicles, do they carry mm-hmm. that with them? Yep, yep, yep. So they, they will, will carry all of our personal stuff, they will carry tools, they will carry. Spare parts for the truck, um, extra tires, a uh, little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So how big are these chase vehicles?
1: They're just half ton pickup trucks is what we're using. Some teams use bigger trucks. Some teams use smaller trucks. It's kind of a personal preference and everybody's got a theory. Um, I know the Herbst race tr- race team, they use like box trucks, you know, like, like a Penske moving truck. Yeah. And they load like. They've got a drill press. They've got like a real welder. They've got everything in there. Okay. But I mean, they're operating on a well funded budget that they can just go wide open at it. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: they have yeah. the means to do that. Yeah, <laughs> we're
1: running on a much tighter budget. So that means, you know, the tools and equipment are more limited. That just means we have to be more creative. That's I mean, just it's how it works. You know, and I is, would
0: guess that the majority of the teams are going to be like you. I mean, there's yeah. always those teams with all the money, but yeah. I would guess that most of the teams are going to be more like what you're doing. So, yeah. so for how this, do you raise funds to so help you do this? So currently a lot of our funding
1: comes from our sponsors. Um, we have some private donors that supply just like financial funding, but a lot of our sponsors provide product. Okay, Uh, So this year, like I said, we're running the heavy metal class. Whenever we get back from the race, we are going to be starting a brand new chassis for the team. And we are going to try to run the trophy truck class, which is the top dog down there. You know, that is the guys that have unlimited budgets. Mm -hmm. So we have partnered with a company called the BLM Group out of France. They're a five axis CNC laser cutter uh, manufacturer, and they've agreed to... CNC cut all of our chassis. Uh, they will cut all that out, label it all, part number it all, put all the bins in it. And they're going to cut three chassis for us.
0: Wow.
1: One chassis comes back with us to be welded out and raced. The other chassis is going to be tack welded and go back to their Michigan headquarters to be hung on display. And then the third chassis goes out west to the gentleman that designed the, the truck. And he and his team are going to build a matching truck of sorts completely across the country. And we're going to, you know, relay back and forth with YouTube, kind of do a collaboration. So you can see what it's like to have a team of kids build a truck and a, you know, I mean, we're a professional team, but a, you know, longstanding professional team. Right. So what the differences are and how do we hold up against them, you know? Do the kids yeah. do just as well? Do yeah. they, you know, exceed expectations, you know? How does that all play out? But that okay. being said, building a brand new chassis in house is, you know, is rare. You know, for a small team to do. Most yeah. teams go out and you know purchase a used chassis and throw their mo- motor and transmission in it. We're starting from the ground up. You know, all the way down to building our own chassis table to fit it and everything. So that's where the kids are really going to get a ton of experience.
0: Yeah okay so um how many people so do you guys work regular jobs during the day and then you do this yeah Yeah. that's what i thought yeah so then you do this at night or on the weekends or whatever so that's what i thought and how many are there of you that are building going to build this new truck
1: we've got 12 currently okay And, and we're trying to grow that a little bit more we'd really like for next year's race to take a team of about 25 to 30 people down would be ideal um but we have to have 30 quality people, you know, quality yeah. kids that are coming on board. So that's part of them, you know, applying to us online. I know everybody kind of says it's a little bit of a hassle, but it, you have to have a little bit of that to see how motivated they are, you know?
0: Oh yeah, you absolutely do. For what so, you're doing, so, you've got to well, have people that are committed.
1: Yeah. So you on our website, there's a, a tab that says, you know, get involved. You click on that and it asks, do you want to be a mentor? Or are you like, are you a kid wanting to get involved? The mentors go through the same process. They tell us who they are, what they want to do, what information and knowledge they bring to the table. We review all that and say, hey, we would like you to join our team. Okay. The kids do the same thing, except we've made it to where they can just do a video. Like you can upload a video to it and just walk around, talk to us, tell us who you are, what you do. And then it's like a more of an interview process. After that, we will reach back out to you and say, hey, we like what we saw. We want to hear more. And we work with kids all over the country. So
2: okay.
1: even though COVID came through, you know, in 2020 and all that kind of stuff, it taught us that you can do so much over Skype and Zoom and all that. Well, you can We can teach you a ton of stuff.
0: Absolutely.
1: Using, you know, the computer and the Internet. So we can go through the initial footwork that way. And then you can schedule times to be in the shop and come yeah. out, get your hands on the truck. Uh, we currently work three nights a week, plus all day Saturday. That's our, you know, standard operating times.
0: Okay. But as we're
1: approaching the race, we're running seven, you know, Saturday, Sunday, and then all five evenings to the week. Yeah. Um, last night we were up till I think I went to bed at four thirty this morning. So if I'm a little bit slow sounding, uh, we were up <laughs> trying to get the truck finished up so we could do some testing this afternoon, uh, yeah. in the middle of the day. So we took off, our lunch hours and went and put some miles on the truck so we can do some fuel economy testing and figure okay. out how to ration fuel and everything for the, for the race. So tell
0: me where, where do you live? I don't think we brought that up.
1: So we're located in uh, the race shop is in Oakland city, Indiana. It's about 20 minutes from Evansville. Evansville is, you know, the most, you know, notable city near us. There's an airport within 20 minutes of the race shop.
0: Okay. Fly in,
1: come out, work in the shop we get welding instructors scheduled, you know, we're organizing some classes and stuff like that to be more fluid about how things work. You know, currently the way it works is, you know, you kind of tell us what you want to get involved in, come out to the shop, work with us, get your hands dirty, see what you're good at. And then we kind of go from there, but we're opening it up to where after this race, you know, the new year starts, we will have posted, you know, classes like, Hey, we're opening, we have 10 spots available for a, a, saturday sunday tig welding course okay no you you can do a virtual tig welding course with us or you want to do sheet metal fabrication you know let's go over some of that you know how do you how do you do this in your home shop things along those lines
0: okay so how one thing let's talk about your website or how do they get in touch with you so i'm assuming it's omyf something so tell us that
1: it's the it's www.omy-foundation.org. That's how you find us on the internet, and then we also have Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, Just search up OMYF or Offroad Motorsports Youth Foundation on any of those platforms. You'll pull us up right away. It's a big green logo, and normally a loud truck on there in a video or something like that. But okay, that's how. And then
0: you probably would still take um, Mm -hmm. some kind of help for your trip in 18 days. So if somebody wanted to get involved or send you a couple hundred bucks or whatever it might be, um, how would they do that?
1: There's a donation button on our website and on our Facebook, you can get on either one of those to make contributions. We also have a GoFundMe that's normally up and running. They can, you know, donate through there and GoFundMe does not take a percentage because we are a nonprofit. So it comes to us. We also have done a new thing called an Amazon wish list. Some people like to see exactly where their dollar goes. Yeah, so it's a wish list, and it's like, hey, these are the tools and stuff that the team needs. You can buy it. It gets shipped to us. You know, leave your little note in the box with us. You can tell, write something to us. We send you back, you know, stickers and a thank you, and we unbox it normally live on TikTok or okay YouTube for people to see there. So you get I like that I you didn't did. know Amazon
0: did that, but I really like that because some yep. people you know sending cash is like a gift card, and some people want to actually buy something, so that's yeah. really good
1: so we've got stuff on there from like fifteen dollar flashlights to socket and ratchet sets, floor jacks, jack stands
0: okay. all kinds of
1: odds and ends things that people don't think about needing, but it's super handy, like yeah, you know the amount of times, or like safety glasses, those are on there. We've had several people send boxes of safety glasses. You know how many yeah. often you destroy a pair of safety glasses in a shop and oh, then yeah. here, you, you sure. gotta dig around and find another clean pair. It's not, yeah. so that's really nice. Uh, that works well.
0: Yeah, that's great. Awesome. And you know,
1: okay. we are definitely very open to having, you know, young women get involved. We've had more response than that, that I ever anticipated. So much Good. so that I'm reaching out to people and companies trying to find smaller welding gloves okay. because I mean, the regular men's size is just like, it don't, they're it way too big. Yeah. It's too big. And you know, welding helmets, we had this conversation the other day, women's welding helmets would be s- such a benefit just because the frame needs to be smaller. They don't uh-huh. adjust down the the actual shield is massive and you can't get up in the roll cage like you need to it's bulky and cumbersome and it almost becomes a fight for them sometimes and obviously yeah. the person but you know yeah. those are things that could be developed those really are really make,
0: good ideas you should reach out to the manufacturers and mm-hmm. uh suggest suggest that to them because yep. there's a lot more women welding nowadays than you would have ever thought
1: and most women are better than the guys just gonna go ahead and say it now their heart rate's slower they don't have the ego they're way more relaxed they do a better job it just it's how it
0: goes (laughs) it's funny my husband used to work for striker they make beds striker beds like for hospitals and that if you watch tv they're in all the tv shows they're yellow um beds that come out of the like ambulance and stuff anyway he's, he would tell you the same thing. And he's been a welder for 50 years or more. Mm-hmm. Um, he would tell you the same thing that women make better welders. And then I have a funny story for you about welding. So when I was in high school, back in the early 1970s, um, we had to, we had a uh, shop class where we learned how to weld. And, and then we had a home ec class where we learned how to Cook and all that, and then we had to take a like a another a different shop class where we learned how we built a birdhouse. Is that if that tells you some kind of wood? So when we were doing the welding portion of the that semester, I used to have very long hair, and I see Taryn; she has her hair pulled back, but I didn't. And all of a sudden, I could smell something burning. <laughs> and the teacher came running over and ripped the helmet off and my hair was on fire and so he quick took the scissors <laughs> so needless to say i had to get my hair cut but <laughs> i can see why the women need a different kind of helmet because that helmet mm-hmm. was like bouncing up and down on my head you know mm-hmm. because it was way too big and so that i think those are great ideas that you need to you need to reach out to makers of helmets and gloves and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a friend who, uh, created pants, like, um, like mechanics, pants, you know, pants Mm -hmm. that like mechanic men would wear only she made them for women Mm -hmm. with all the little pockets and stuff, you know, because they're not built the same. And so she made, came up with these. And, and so the more that women get involved in these kind of occupations, the more the manufacturers are going to have to come around and, and realize that they've got to make some new products too, for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, so like when Taryn got involved with us and, you know, we, you know, started getting into welding and that sort of thing with her, I don't know, probably 20, 30 minutes involved into it. She was running complete TIG beads, which, you know, for people that aren't familiar with TIG welding, One hand is controlling a torch. Yeah. One foot is controlling a pedal, which is how hot the arc is burning. And your other hand is the filler metal that you're dipping into the molten puddle. Yeah. Make the the weld profile. You got to be coordinated. Yeah. Most of the time, you know, I know when I started out, I started out being self taught with all that. So it took me several days of messing with it to get it to where I could run anything even that resembled a welding bead. And, you know, I've, taught other people and normally it's a couple hours, but every girl that's come in and got into that 15, 20, 30 minutes, it's like bam, 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 no big deal. I'm like, I just don't get it. It's just it just works. That's like,
2: okay. Yeah.
0: It's just, you know, we're built different. We have different, you know, abilities and talents. And and that's why God didn't make two of the same. He made us different. And so that was that was a good thing so um i'm not going to keep you much longer because i know that you guys are supposed to be working tonight Mm -hmm. is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure people know about either the OMYF or the baja 1000 or anything at all
2: that you're involved in um me personally um i would say nothing is out of reach anything is possible i mean we are a young group you know, out here doing this with not a lot of the tools or machines or even the finances, you know, that some of these people out here, like we've talked about, do have. But we made it possible. You know, I mean, I, I honestly would just say my key point would just be I'd never give up. Nothing. It, it your dreams are limitless.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I Good would definitely you. agree with that.
2: I I love that Taryn. Thank,
0: Thank you for saying that.
1: The financial thing, the difference between having a lot of money is just how hard are you gonna work. Mm-hmm. You can pay someone to do something if you have the finances or oh, you gotta learn how, how to do it yourself. You know, there's a lot of things that we have taught ourselves how to do and how to figure out, um, just simply out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Homemade equipment in the shop that needed to yeah. fill a specific need that we couldn't justify the spending on at the moment. And we couldn't get in contact with a manufacturer that wanted to contribute it. Uh, So, I mean, for instance, we needed to make some uh, firewalls. So we turned our fab table into a sheet metal break using some uh, barbecue hinges and some free heavy uh, angle iron and about an hour of tinkering around with it. And we were bending sheet metal like it was no one's business. And it actually turned out really nice, surprisingly.
0: And you know what, honestly, so my husband is, you know, his grandpa taught him to weld when he was little. And he mm-hmm. makes, he calls them his tools. You mm-hmm. know, he'll be doing something and he'll make like um, a tool, he'll call it, because maybe he has to do 50 of something. Mm-hmm. And so he'll make a tool so mm-hmm. that he can do 50 instead of do one and it's and then do another. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you're way ahead of the game, honestly, by teaching yourself and coming up with some of those. And I'll use the word redneck because (laughs) there's nobody more redneck than my husband. And he's a wonderful welder um, because then he's got the knowledge of how everything works. He didn't have some kind of tool handed to him and he really doesn't get it when you have to come up with those ideas and how to make it yourself, then, you know, you really have done something that most people haven't done. So you should pat yourselves on the back and be proud of what you're doing. And I definitely want to know when you get back. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to have a conversation about how it went Mm -hmm. and, you know, all the things that you did and funny things that happened and, all those kinds of things, because this is going to be very memorable for you.
1: It's going to be very memorable for us. And it's also going to kind of put the younger generation on the map of. We can do this too. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to have 40 years of experience to do it. No. You just got to have the courage and uh, the go, the wherewithal just to Mm -hmm. grab on and go, you know, Um, I know we are going to try to produce a, I'm going to call it a grassroots documentary of our journey okay. to the race. It's going to be a lot of, you know, probably cell phone footage. I mean, to just be realistic, because we sure. don't have the we don't have the finances for a film crew to follow us around. No, so,
0: but, but it'll work. Those those phones do really yeah. well, so it'll work yeah. just
2: fine.
1: At the end of the event, I think we're trying to shoot for by the end of the year, have about an hour and a half to two hour documentary to put out um, for everybody to view and see. You know. What okay. is it actually like to go down there and compete in that race? You know,
0: and uh, what are the dates? When are you going to be there?
1: Race starts the 16th and we should be finishing sometime on the 18th. We arrive in Mexico on the 13th though.
0: Okay. So we have
1: a few days cause the truck has to go through tech inspection and all that. Yeah. You have a day of contingencies. Oh. So, uh, you know, okay. different from, you know, typical auto racing, you know, you, the day before the race, they bring you up on stage and ask for your sponsors and everything because there's a good chance that you may not make it to the end of the race. You might have a you know vehicle right. failure, and then you didn't get any airtime from your sponsors. And yeah. why would they want to spend money on that?
2: Yeah. Right. So we
1: do that before the race, and good. then if You're lucky and do a good job, then you get to talk about it. We get to the end.
0: Okay, good. Well, I'm gonna wish you all the luck in the world. I hope you have a great time. I hope you have just the smoothest race that you could possibly have and then uh we'll catch we'll catch up when you get back and we'll find out all about it um thank you for being on and sharing what you're doing i i love getting the news out about what young people are doing and it's Mm -hmm. not you know everybody just thinks it's when they when you say i'm involved in motorsports oh do you you go around in a circle Mm-hmm. and and that's what all they think about and it's like no there's so many kinds of motorsports so many ways that you can compete mm-hmm. in a vehicle and most people don't know and so by having you on the show not only can we promote the OMYF but we can also promote you know um rally it's rally racing really it's uh off-road racing it's you know it's the kind of racing that we don't do here in Michigan and so mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that I'm glad that we had a chance to share about it with you guys.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we appreciate you having us on and letting us, you know, kind of tell our story and where we came from, where we are now and where eventually we're heading, you know?
0: Absolutely. Well, we're going to stay in touch
2: yep. much
0: better, Preston, than we have in the past.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know how it gets, you get back from one of those shows and you got 500 emails that need to get sent. I know. Stories I know. and stuff you talk to someone about and you forget who you said what to about what when where and why and how so
0: totally happens but yep. now that we now that we've done this we'll be better about that so yep. thanks again for being on the show good luck to you guys and um and I'll catch up with you when you get back.
1: Sounds All good. Righty.
0: Thanks All for right. having have me have a yep. good have a good evening. Yep. You too. thank you too Bye-bye. have you heard of youth racers of america Inc. It is a 501c3 nonprofit designed to provide camps, clinics, safety gear, and educational resources for youth race car drivers across the nation. YRA helps racers through three main categories, current youth racers and families, families new to youth racing, and career opportunities for teens. One of the benefits of being a member of the YRA is safety gear discounts. Members who order through YRA receive 15 to 40% off their orders from companies that they partner with. So visit youthracersofamerica.com forward slash register to sign up your youth racer. That's youthracersofamerica.com forward slash register. Enjoy all the member benefits and more for only $20 per year. Or call 844-YRA-KIDS to find out more. Thank you for listening to the Women's Motorsports Network podcast. Subscribe to my show and follow me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you or someone you know would like to be Women's Motorsports Network News online magazine, this podcast, or Let's Talk Racing Live, my social media show, contact me via Messenger on Facebook at Melinda Russell or send me an email at Women's Motorsports Network at GPNL.com.